0: Welcome to the Cut It Straight Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Nate Whitley. Cut It Straight is a podcast helping you pursue excellence in your preaching and ministry. In today's episode, we're going to continue our series, The Preaching Lab. I hope you enjoy Welcome to the Cut It Straight Podcast, Episode 9. I'm your host, Pastor Nate Whitley. We're going to continue our series, The Preaching Lab, today. I want to look at the finalization of our notes, uh, the use of illustrations, and what I try to do before I actually go and preach. Uh, So we've seen thus far uh, all the preparation and the prayer and the study that the man of God has to do Uh, to prepare to preach in a pulpit. We've been thinking hypothetically you've been asked to preach or teach in a youth service, a youth class, Sunday school class. Perhaps you're not preaching uh, regularly. Uh, This is maybe a one-time situation. Uh, If you are preaching uh, more frequently, you're preaching week by week, month by month, I would uh, suggest and recommend preaching a series, uh, perhaps preaching or teaching from a Bible book, Uh, verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter, expository preaching. We're going to talk about that in future episodes. But hypothetically, we've been thinking through this series that you're preparing to preach uh, a one-time service if you're not preaching uh, regularly. And so there's a lot of process that goes into preparing the sermon. And not just preparing the sermon, but preparing the man for the sermon. Um, Someone asked this after the last episode. How long... Should I study uh, or how much time should I put into preparation? Uh, I've I've heard it said, well, you need to to prepare five hours for every one hour you preach or so on and so forth. Um, And so my answer to that is you need to prepare as much as you possibly can. Uh, Not everyone has the opportunity to have uh, the flexibility in their schedule to spend hours a day praying and studying and writing and preparing so you have to find the margins in your day, in your life, uh, to to set aside, to prepare. Uh, and so as much as you can as possible. Uh, I think if you're going to teach or preach 10 to 15 minutes, uh, you need to, to do more study than just five minutes before you go to actually teach and preach. There needs to be um, a lot of time put into it, and as much time as possible that your schedule allows. I heard this story after a pastor had finished preaching a Sunday sermon, a young man came up to him and asked him, how long did it take you to prepare that particular sermon? Uh, the pastor replied to that young man, it took me a lifetime. As the man of God, as the preacher, as a minister, the more you preach, the longer you're in ministry, the longer uh, you're in the call of God and you're working in the will of God, it, it, it adds to the sermon preparation process. It is a lifetime. You know, I could preach a sermon uh, on a Sunday, but it's taken me years to, to work out, from studying, knowing my Bible, praying, and knowing the Lord. Uh, and, and as you grow in ministry, that process might be shorter in the week, and might, you, you've got your skills honed to know what to do, what to leave out when you're studying. And so y- you get better at it, and you're improving in the process, and not just improving your process and the habits and the disciplines that come along with uh, preparing sermons and lessons. But hopefully you're, you're, you're improving while you're behind the pulpit as well. And that comes with experience. Uh, experience is a great teacher. And so we need to uh, make sure that we understand that we study and prepare as much as possible. But as the more you are in ministry, uh, it will help you to prepare your sermons and your lessons. So I want to look at our finalization uh, of our notes as we get ready to preach. So say you're preaching, it's Saturday. Uh, And you're preaching on Sunday And so maybe a couple days before uh, I want to look at that, what it looks like uh, To finalize what you've been studying uh, And to get ready for the actual sermon I want to first talk about illustrations Um, Illustrations are a very peculiar part of the sermon creating process Uh, They can add life and zest to your sermon Uh, They could also overshadow your exposition of the text uh, so you don't want to allow illustrations to overshadow what you're attempting to say. They should add flavor. They should be uh, an addition to what you're saying from the text. Uh, here's what I consider illustrations, stories from history. Maybe you're a Civil War buff, a World War One, World War II, uh, American history, whatever. Those are stories that you can add that you might have uh, come across in your studies and reading that can be added to um, your text. Uh, then anecdotes, uh, the story that I just told a few moments ago about the pastor and the young man asking a question, I consider that an anecdote that adds to what you're trying to say. Um, then there's humor. Uh, I'm not one to, to, to always want to add a joke to what I'm saying in a sermon. Uh, if you're not funny, don't try to be funny. Uh, you don't have to have a joke in a sermon. I think most speech classes today. In the the past, they used to say, try to have that as an icebreaker, but it's not necessary. Uh, And then the use of props. Uh, I have to teach every Friday uh, during the school year from five-year-olds to 12th graders, so five-year-olds to 18-year-olds. I have found that the use of props, not every sermon, uh, but in some of my sermons are very helpful to get uh, the point across from the text uh, to such a wide range of ages and understanding of the scripture, uh, and so the use of props are are helpful. Uh, I don't you don't need a prop for every sermon, but if it kind of comes to you, um, it it can it can maybe add some life and it adds a a visual aid to what you're trying to say in your sermon. You have to strike the perfect balance with illustrations. Uh, don't rely on the illustration in the sermon prop in the in the sermon process. Uh, what I mean by that is you shouldn't base a sermon on an, on an illustration, because if you do that, sometimes, if not the majority of the time, you'll end up trying to find a text that fits your illustration, and you can end up harming the, the, the scripture text trying to make it fit your illustration. It should be vice versa. Let your illustration add to what you've studied from a text. Uh, and that's not to say that uh, something doesn't inspire you, but don't rely upon that. I know too many preachers, and I've done it before, where you've got to look for something to inspire. I mean, I've got to read something. I got to see something out at the mall or at the store or at the restaurant. I came across this today. and they were, they were. Don't rely upon that. Get everything from the text, then add the illustration. And that's not to say that you're not going to have an illustration or read something that inspires you, but make sure you're not harming the text to get the illustration. Uh, so use that As kind of a a guide when you're when you're preparing your sermon, I try to find an illustration maybe later uh, in the in the sermon preparation process. Uh, I don't recommend going to Lifeway, the library, uh, and bookstores finding uh, one thousand illustrations by so and so preacher. You know, a lot of times those illustrations are uh, when stories in there are false; they're made up; they're not real. Uh, with Too many people can fact-check what you're saying now, uh, and also don't try to go get those illustrations from the 50s and 60s. Those books were really popular. Uh, I've got several on my shelf, and I've read through them, and you couldn't use them because they're just not applicable today. Uh, and too many people can Google, and so it's just important. If you have an illustration, uh, make sure that it's, um, uh, it's a, a, a true illustration as well. And if it's, if it's fiction, l- let people know it's fiction as well. Let me say this about your, your, your outline, your sermon notes. You need to trim the fat from your sermon notes. Preaching is not an information dump. You've been reading commentaries, dictionaries, resources trying to help you interpret the text, and all those things are are wonderful. Uh, and so and it can inspire you. And so those might not all that information might not make it into the actual sermon process. We're not trying to just give all this information when we get to the pulpit. Remember, we're trying to explain the text and then to communicate the text to our people. We're not trying to communicate all that we know about the text. The text, all that we, we study, will inform our interpretation of that text. But we, don't, we might not have to give all the information. We might not have to know all the geography of Galilee. You might need to not know all the economics of Rome uh, when you're teaching something. Now, it might add to a sermon. Uh, I, I preach a sermon on uh, Peter walking on the water and he was walking on the Sea of Galilee. Well, he grew up fishing in the Sea of Galilee. He grew up in Bethsaida, and so all that information fills uh, the, the the story, the narrative of that text to know that he had been on these waters all of his life and seen all of these great things at the Sea of Galilee. He grew up there. He had a business there, and so that feeds the, the, the text of that story, and so I preach a sermon called, Sinking in Familiar Waters, and so, for him to have this happen, it's never happened to him before. First of all, he's never seen something walking on the water, and he's never walked on those waters. But the Bible says he begins to sink. Uh, And so that feeds, that kind of builds my sermon, and so it was helpful. But that information might not be helpful every time that I preach from that text of Jesus walking on the water along with Peter. Uh, And so all that information, it might not go into the actual sermon that you preach. However, don't toss it. Don't throw it away. You might use it later. Going back to Haddon Robinson's big point we talked about in our last episode, his book talks about uh, expository preaching. That one big point, remember you had that one sentence that you have written, what you're trying to convey in your text, in your sermon. And so everything needs to go to that. If it's not clear to you, if your notes are not clear to you, it will not be clear to your listeners. So it's important that as you get to your notes and you're finalizing what's important and what might not be so important, uh, don't throw it away, don't delete it from your notes, but perhaps save it for another time. So what I might, for instance, so for that sermon on sinking in familiar waters, it works in certain settings with all that information, but I might use that same text about uh, Peter and Jesus walking on the water. And all that other information that I had before in that sermon might not fit in another setting. It might be a different type of sermon, and so it, it could help, but it might not be necessary for that different setting. So save it. Don't throw it out. Uh, but make sure everything's going back to that one big point, Um Trim where it needs to be trimmed. Throw things out from your notes that might just muddy. If it's muddying it up too much, throw it out. Be clear. Remember, if it's not clear to you, it will not be clear to everybody else. Preach what you know. Don't preach everything you know. That's a great statement that Bishop McCool has taught us here at First Apostolic Church. Preach what you know. Just don't preach all that you know. And so if it's good enough, if it's all that... Uh, all of that, uh, the, the stuff that you've received from the commentaries, resources that you've studied, if it's good, it will keep. We may not have to use it in that sermon, but it can be used somewhere else. And remember, we need to keep uh, an, an eye on the time as well, be mindful of the time. Uh, and so if we need to, to trim up some of our notes for the sake of time, you need to do that. Let's talk about application. Uh, getting to the application of the sermon should always tie into that big point we've been talking about. So our application uh, is tying into that point, going back to John 3, you must be born again. Well, that's the point right there. You must be born again of the water and the spirit. You have to be born again to see and to enter the kingdom. But again, you must be born again. Marvel not that I said you must be born again. So that big point of John 3 is you must be born again. So your sermon is that one big point, whatever it might be. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Or whatever your topic is in your, in your sermon. But make sure that big point is driving home the application as well. Some would say, well, have your application at the conclusion of your sermon. Uh, and that's wise as well. But I try to pepper application throughout my sermon. So if I'm going verse by verse, if I'm going line by line in a verse... I'm trying to find the application in those points and if it's there don't save it get right to it because you're trying to change hearts you're trying to change minds you're trying to get them to reflect on what the Bible is saying to them in that situation and you want them to apply it remember it's not information dump we're trying to compel people we're trying to change hearts change minds trying to draw the sinner to repentance. We're trying to get the Christian to do something. Uh, And so the application uh, is very important. And if you want to save it at the end, that's fine. But I, for me, I'm usually trying to have that application uh, kind of throughout my sermon text as well. Uh, If you look, Peter did save that application for the end of his sermon in in Acts chapter number 2. I mean, he went through his... Uh, through his text of old, of, of, of old Testament history, the history of Israel. And he gets right down to it, the, the, you know, you've crucified the Christ. Well, And they say, well, what shall we do? And he tells them what they're to do in Acts 2.38. So he saved that, man, that Sunday punch at the end. Uh, but you talk about, you know, John 3, where Jesus is telling Nicodemus he must be born again, he's driving home that application. How do you not know you're a teacher in Israel? You don't know, you know, and so he's pounding that that one big point throughout it. And there's all kinds of different examples in the in the New Testament of preaching. And so the application can be anywhere in it, uh, or the end, uh, but I would try to make sure that everything I'm studying staying with that one big point and my application is sticking with that one big, big point as well. Now, I want to say this. Uh, There are some questions I try to ask. This might be good for you to ask of your sermon as you're going over your notes and you're finalizing. So, here's a question, and it goes back to what we've been talking to. In one sentence, what is this sermon about? You should be able to answer that in one sentence. So, you come out of the Sunday morning service, uh, and you meet somebody at the restaurant, and they say, what did you preach about today? If you have to go into a long... If you have to re-preach your sermon, you need to... we got a problem here. You need to... And don't just say, Well, I preached about Jesus today. Well, we, we understand that. Well, I preached the Bible. We got it. Well, I preached on You must be born again. I preached on repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. You should be able to summarize what your sermon's about in one sentence, and your people should be able to summarize what you have preached or taught in one sentence. So say they go to the restaurant after they left Sunday morning, after you've preached, and someone asks them, well, what did the preacher preach about today? They need to be able to say it in one sentence. And so that helps to be very clear. That helps to be very concise in your sermon. Next question. What theological category would this fall under? Uh, and so am I being theologically and doctrinally faithful is this about repentance is this about Christian living soul winning is this about uh, holiness is this, is this about um, the, the doctrine and the inspiration of scripture uh, is this about Jesus Christ and his person about his miracles uh, And so what is the theological or doctrinal category my sermon could fall under next question what do I want my listeners to know? What information does my audience need to know before they can apply the sermon to their lives? So, you've studied, you've prepared, what information is going to help them apply what you're preaching? So, everything you've studied and everything that's in your notes should feed that point. It should feed that application, that Here's what I want them to know, and here's what I want them to do. Because remember, we're wanting them to do something, not just to be hearers of the Word, but to be doers of the Word. So the next question, what do I want them to do? What do I want them to become? When I was working on my bachelor's um, in biblical studies, every class that I had, we would study a book um, from Scripture, or several books, or, um, and we would always, at the end of the class, after six weeks of studying, we'd have a, um, an assignment on what we were going to teach and what we are going to preach. And basically, we were forming uh, an outline, of, of, so to speak, and they always had w- this question, and, I, and I've taken it, and I think it's really important, and it was, what do you want them to do? And it was always, head, heart, and hands. I want them to think differently, head. I want them to feel differently in their hearts. And I want them to act differently. This is their hands, their behavior. So what am I trying to get them to do with my sermon? remember, Remember, again, I can't stress this enough. Preaching is not just about relaying information. It's transformation. It's regeneration. It's it's a life that is changed by the Word of God. So we have to, there has to be a response. And I'm not just talking about a vocal response. Amen, that's right. I'm talking about a response of change. And again, that's not just coming down to an altar to pray. I want them to leave Sunday to live this on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the rest of the week. And I want them to live this for the rest of their lives. So again, I'm having to ask the question, what do I want them to do? How do I want them to think differently? Their head how am I, how do i want them to feel differently in their hearts how, how do i want them to behave or act differently this is their hands so head heart hands what do i want them to do try to answer that question in the finalization of your notes now this ask this question do i believe this sermon will make a difference this should be unlike anything else that they've heard this week students if you're again we're We're teaching or preaching a, a youth class. Students have heard and read many lessons that they have forgotten already. They're trying to get that information in so they can take the test and pass. You are doing something completely different. I want them to make a difference. I want this sermon to make a difference in their life. I want them to be a difference. I want to be a difference maker. So does my sermon make a difference? Is this different than what they've listened to in a history class? Is this different than what they've learned in a geometry class? Is this different than what they've heard in a biology class? This should stand out not just for today, not just for this week, but in their lives. And so will it make a difference? Is there going to be a change that takes place? Will it help them? Is this something that they're going to forget? Uh, And sometimes people do forget sermons, but there can always be one. I pray this. Lord, if there's this one person who hears what I'm saying and they get it, Let it be done. It's worth all the time. It's worth all the preparation, the fasting, the prayer. That's worth it. Next question. Does the sermon make a difference in my life? Now listen, I want to make a difference in somebody else's life while I preach. But it makes no difference to them if it doesn't make a difference to me. If the sermon does not have an impact on my life, I guarantee it will not have an impact on others. You need to be passionate about what you are preparing. If it's not moving you while you read and study and pray, chances are pretty good it's not going to move them either. Does not make a difference to you? We don't want to be like the Pharisees and do as I say, not as I do. We don't want to preach and not do what we've preached. We want to live it. We want to be impacted by it. And if it impacts us and it makes a difference in us, it will definitely make an impact on them and make a difference in our audience. Next question. Will my listeners know that I love and care for them? Preaching is not about being hateful and vengeful. Ephesians 4.15 says we are to speak the truth in love. You need to care for them and care for their souls. This is eternity. This is life and death. This could be Someone in that class, in that church, this might be their last opportunity to hear the gospel. They might never come back. They might die the next day. I know that sounds morbid, but that's what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with souls and eternity of their souls. Do they know that I love them? We're not just preaching something that gets on our nerves or something that we've read on Twitter or Facebook. I'm preaching the word of God, and this has to come across as loving Bless God you better do this Love speak the truth in love Will your people know that you love them after you preach this Will they know that you care for them and you care for their well-being And you care for their, uh, their, their souls You care for their family and their family souls Will your listeners know that you love and care for them Next question Am I passionate about this subject Your sermon should not be dead, and it should not be dry. If you're going to bore people with the Bible, quit preaching. You can bore people with Shakespeare, bore people with math, but don't bore people with the Bible. It needs to be passionate. And passion doesn't mean you're just screaming on the top of your lungs. Passion is felt more than it's heard. It needs to be felt... I can hear somebody teach the Word of God and feel their passion, and they may never raise their voice. But passion should be felt when you are teaching or preaching to someone. What makes a good teacher is not a desire to teach, but a desire to learn. Even better, what makes a great preacher is not a desire to preach, but a desire to learn. When you have a desire to learn the word of God and to know God and draw closer to him, you have no other choice than let, than let that overflow from your life to others. You won't you won't bore them with it. You've got you got to get it out. You've got to tell someone what you have seen in the scriptures, what you have experienced with Jesus Christ. You've got to tell somebody that's passionate. And don't you don't have to do it loudly, but you could do it with passion. These are the things you've got to think about, the questions you've got to ask as you're finalizing your sermon. Remember, souls are at stake here. As you're making these last few uh, additions and you're editing your notes, keep these things in mind. Keep your listeners in mind. Have those people's faces in your minds. Their souls on your heart. Because if you do that, you'll know that I have heard from the Lord. And at what I've read and studied from His Word, I'm going to preach it, and it's going to impact their life, and it's going to make a difference in their life. Thanks for tuning in to the Cut It Straight podcast. For more information, visit my website, nswhitley.com. Follow me on Twitter at NSWhitley.com and be sure to like my page and share my page on Facebook, NSWhitley.